Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing the child with a rash part two. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally and the child with a rash part two. Delighted that Rachel Trix joins us again. Hello, Hello. Rachel. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, and in part one, we looked at the non-blanching rash and we went through some viral rashes, had a bit of a chat about um, the importance of vaccination, etc., yep. etc. <laughs> a bit of a rant. Uh, and thanks for coming back just before you go on your skiing holiday. That's right. Um, <laughs> for us to have a chat now about um, bacterial rashes mostly. Yeah. Um, and some other causes. And some other causes. Rashes presenting with fever as well. So Cool. Yeah. Um, so I believe... You'd like to start with scarlet fever, is that right? Yeah, so I sort of thought we'd talk about um, particularly children presenting with fever and a rash again, sticking to the topic. Um, and so covering some of the more common ones that we'll see. So certainly scarlet fever is common and um, potentially increasing um, in prevalence out there. Um, it's caused by strep pyogenes. Um, so a group A streptococcus um, and is toxin mediated and they often get this red pinpoint rash um, which spreads from the trunk and can settle in the flexures, the axilla, um, antical cubital fossa. And what's really key about this one is they have a sandpapery texture to their skin. So you okay. feel it and it feels like sandpaper. Ooh. And that first time you do it, you go, ah, oh, that's what the sandpaper rash <laughs> feels like. Yes, now I know. Um, they're often said to have a strawberry tongue as well um, and some perioral pallor is sort of a textbook description as well. Um, okay. So that's something to be aware of. Mm. Scarlet fever in itself um, is generally very self-limiting, it's very mild, doesn't cause the child many problems, um, but the bigger worry is that it can, in a few cases, go on to sort of cause invasive um, streptococcal rashes, um, conditions, sorry. Um, so there's a risk of meningitis, pneumonia, okay. septic arthritis, um, group A streptococcal sepsis. Mm which um, can be very severe um, and we obviously don't want to miss. So it's important to identify and treat these kids and these kids need a good period of 10 days of penicillin V, v ideally um, mm. to prevent uh, the complications and also to prevent the spread because they yeah, go from being very infectious yeah. to actually only infectious for about 24 hours if they've had their antibiotics. So. And will they come in with them, <coughs> is there a prodrome like of a, of a sore throat and things like that, they strep often, throat the, symptoms? Yeah, so they'll often have a sore throat, um, they'll have a mild fever. It, it, it's, it's not a particularly um, severe illness, but they might have yeah, sore red throat mm. um, and the rash is the main sort of factor that you find here. Um, cool. There's It has other complication factors. so. Things like rheumatic fever um, yeah, and streptococcal glomerulonephritis are um, important things. So even if you get these children pre presenting later, um, so such as your child with Coca-Cola urine and glomerulonephritis, actually asking back and saying, did they have these symptoms recently? Um, have they had this rash? Have they had fevers? Um, mm. Which can help point you down the line. Right so diagnosis. I'm right thinking it used to be a lot more serious as it was a you know, major cause of child mortality yeah. you know, 100 or so years ago. Yeah, and with the advent of antibiotics, <laughs> <laughs> um, these, these, these things do improve. So hygiene and antibiotics and greater mm. awareness. So And mm. certainly children who have come from overseas mm. um, are far more likely to have had 
potentially rheumatic fever and mm. problems such as that. So, cool. um, not to be forgotten. I've only diagnosed uh, streptococcal glomerulonephritis once, and I felt I've never felt so much like house. Um, <laughs> where as a, a young, ch I think he was a uni student, and um, he. Uh, came in because he was peeing like dark brown, yeah. reddish brownish. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> urine. And he was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And he had an AKI and um, AKI one, I think it was. And I just said, oh, you know, have you been? And over the last few days, and he was like, oh yeah, about a week ago, I had a sore throat. And I was like, yes. Uh, and so you know, ad admitted him for some observation and uh, checked his TTO, and they put him down as strep. And I was like, yes, I did something. <laughs> <laughs> it's always worth testing, sending off an ASOT. In those situations because then you can actually point a point pinpoint it back to the original streptococcal infection anti-streptolysin anti oh tighter yeah cool it's an antibody <laughs> made against it okay cool there we go there we oh, that's excellent so that's uh that's our scarlet fever so antibiotics safety net we worry <laughs> about these conditions but yeah. you can go home live long and prosper yeah exactly good 10-day um, course of penicillin um it is a notifiable disease uh -huh. uh, it's Public Health England, so these should ideally be all notified. Um, and doing a throat swab in these cases is a good way to pick it up mm. and get a definitive diagnosis before sending them home. Um, generally, don't wait and just put them on 10 days of antibiotics, even if you've not got the throat swabs, because then you're not faffing around with chasing people up and bringing <laughs> them back. Cool. Um, so that's scarlet fever. <coughs> Where would you like? What would you like to cover next? Um, I think. On from scarlet fever, I think we always should mention invasive group A streptococcal infection. Mm. Um, it is an acute life-threatening purpural sepsis and it often presents very similar to our septic shock child that yeah. we've talked about in previous episodes. So um, they will be shut down, they might have purpura, they'll look very unwell um, and they can be sort of not mistaken is the wrong words because the initial management is very much the same as meningococcals but um, it is something that is being seen quite frequently particularly in this time of year so the spring as it gets warmer we mm. often see many cases um, and it's always worth to consider um, sort of along with your early management so your early antibiotics early fluids early PICU support which we've talked about previously um, is <coughs> sort of adding in clindamycin into your antibiotics because that's very effective in this situation okay uh, and so they're, they're going to be toxic they're going to be very septic sick. knocked yeah. off sick looking kid yeah these are these are your septic children polonchopalurea for time lethargy um, they're not playing hypertensive uh, not they're playing. not the one that's playing and runs in to see yeah. you yeah no possibly even have purpura um, in places so yeah cool these are sick kids sick kids yeah okay uh, so uh, moving on from invasive group A strep um, so sticking to bacterial uh, infections um, we've got uh, sort of staphylococcal infections um, mm. and these again there's a really wide spread of different types of infections so you can have your simple cellulitis um, often children quite well with cellulitis or abscesses boils localized infections um, which don't cause them any systemic signs but they're there um, often associated more, more with pain than fever yeah um, 
and then you've got your your impetigo, so that's your very superficial skin goes infections. Through nursery groups goes like through nursery the, yeah. groups, um, <laughs> lovely golden crusts, which are the honey honeycomb, yeah. um, but perfect bacterial uh, breeding grounds. Incredibly um, contagious. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they just need treating with either. Um, local or systemic antibiotics depending mm. on what the mm. um, disease process is in that case um, good hygiene is really important in these cases um, do you keep the, the child away whilst they've got the crust or do, do they carry on normally what's your practice if they go into in um, so to remove a crust is really important so actually yeah. just to clean them off because that's where the bacteria is breeding yeah. um, and I would generally keep them away from nursery um, I, th I saw a really good um, something on Facebook the other day which was sort of going through t telling parents how long they had to keep their kids off school okay. and I think we should find it and talk about it because that's quite useful but okay, I haven't cool. got it here with me right no now worries. but we can find it in a bit um, so that was quite useful um, so you've got your sort of um, simple localised infections but then again um, there's more severe um, infections so staph scalded skin which mm. is another toxin mediated um, infection um, often in the under fives um, those with um, immunosuppression as well um, and they often do present very unwell so they're f they've got fever they're irritable um, and their skin is initially just sort of bright red um, and it will you'll start to get some fluid filled blisters appearing and then the skin will just start coming off in sheets um, and they almost look like a burn and actually you manage them quite similarly to a burn in terms of sort of good fluid management okay. um, because they're potentially going to lose so much fluid through their skin. So they've lost um, that layer of epidermis. Almost, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Cool. So um, good fluid management and um, using liquid paraffin but to protect the skin but the mainstay of that is that they should be looked after by burns nurses and similar in similar places to this um, they will also need IV antibiotics um, quite early and sort of strict fluid balances mm. um, and there's again a risk of secondary infection in these children because they've lost that um, protective skin barrier so um, certainly something to be aware of and not to miss yeah just looking at some pictures of it now, it really does look like birds. Yeah. I mean, for all the world, you'd say these kids have been scalded. Yeah. Hence the name. Yeah. It's a very well-named condition. Um, just you'd wonder why that scald pattern was round the mouth. They've got a look at a picture here where the the um, the infective signs are very much around the mouth and around the eyes. So, yeah, it's that it does look like being scalded, but not with a typical scald pattern. <laughs> so that's our scalded, um, cephalococcal scalded syndrome. Um, what's next? Um, so sticking to our fever and rash, um, I was going to talk more um, about um, a spectrum of diseases, although there's some debate as to now whether they are in the same spectrum or not. Um, and working through sort of from erythema multiforme uh, to Stevens Johnson syndrome and toxic epidermal necrolysis or TEN. Um, and these are quite a range of um, sort of severity of rashes mm. um, and can be caused by viral illnesses, so maybe as, or bacterial, and also by drug. Um, as a drug reaction as well. So the erythema multiforme we actually see quite commonly in paediatrics. Um, okay. We see a lot of these children and they'll come in with um, often a mild prodromal illness because it's often caused by things like HSV um, or it can be caused by mycoplasma. 
and they sort of get these red papules over the um, body which then develop into sort of quite diagnostic target lesions mm. so you get the central d dusky area and then a pale zone and then an outer ring of erythema and they're quite classical um, of that and you, they get the palms themselves are involved and actually in most of these cases the rash looks far worse than, than the child is, than, than the child is. Um, and, you, and it's just important um, to reassure the parents make sure that you're giving appropriate um, care um, so antipyretics, making sure their fluids are okay, um, and uh, most of these children can go home with effective safety netting. Um, obviously, if you think there is a drug as a cause, then that needs to be stopped um, and managed from there. Um, some of the drugs which can cause it are sort of non-steroidals, penicillins. So erythema multiforme normally sorts itself out. Yeah. Uh, do you give anything? No. Um, no. Sometimes they can have quite nasty um, mucosal involvement, mm. um, and that's sort of at the more severe end of the erythema multiforme. So it's important about making sure, and this can be the eyes, the mouth potentially even GI tract, mm. um, but just making sure that appropriate care is applied to them and kids can eat and drink. Um, cool. It potentially progresses into sort of Stephen Johnson syndrome. Yeah. And this is the more severe end of it, um, where they're also delayed type hypersensitivity reactions, um, but are mainly due to drugs, but can be due to... Um, mycoplasma and other viral infections um, and they'll often sort of appear over the first few days if it's antibiotics or even the first few months if it's something like an anti-epileptic which is causing it um, and they will present with a prodromal flu-like illness um, so again symptoms of the erty, bit of fever, um, high temperature, they'll often have mucosal involvement of their eyes so conjunctivitis um, and then they sort of get this red rash um, and erythema multiforme, particularly involving the mucous membranes. So very much with the mouth involved, but also the genitals, the GI tract, the eyes, as we said earlier. Um, and sort of depending on how severe it is, is whether they classify it as Stephen Johnson or toxic epidermal necrolysis um, in the more severe end of cases. But here it's really important that you're managing um, not only the child itself, but also you've got all the issues that we talked about earlier. So um, fluid balances, uh, risk of secondary infection because you've broken down the skin, um, making sure sort of eye involvement um, that they've been seen yeah. by opticians and making sure there's no sort of ulceration or uveitis there. Yeah. Um, they even have sort of in the more severe end GI risks of perforation and sepsis. So. Um, it's very rare, but it's certainly something to be aware of um, and not to dismiss sort of all these early cases and just uh, say, oh, it's fine, but <laughs> good safety netting. The answer to all paediatrics is good safety netting. Good safety netting. Yeah. And imagine if you're into Stephen Johnson's or you've got um, even, you know, toxic <coughs> epidermal necrolysis, that's a very specialist. Yeah, and good early. It's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not something that we will be managing in the ED, so... No. But, but it's something that we need to be aware of and getting, and we sort of talked about the sick child and getting the right people down at the right time. Mm -hmm. And these people sort of need dermatology involvement quite early on yeah. and um, fluids and supportive antibiotics if you're worried about it um, yeah, and such on. Cool. Uh, and next? 
Um, and then finally, um, so as the main final thing I want to talk about is the one which isn't an infection, but it can stump us all, and that is Kawasaki's, um, mm. which we have sort of no known cause of, but is described often as an acute febrile illness with inflammation of the small and medium blood vessels. Um, and this is just a correlation of um, s symptoms, um, s starting with sort of children who have a high fever for five days, and they have to have a high fever for five days. That's the diagnostic uh, criteria. And then they also will often have mucosal involvement, so that red tongue, strawberry tongue, um, cracked lips. They'll often have conjunctivitis, um, which is non-superative. Um, they'll get redness of their hands and feet and possibly even desquamation of the fingertips. And they have uh, lymphadenopathy, which is often uh, unilateral as well. Um, and these children are very irritable. Um, the reason why I worry about it is, in most cases, it is a self-limiting illness and it gets better, but about 20% of children who are untreated will have coronary um, artery damage from the inflammation of the small and medium blood vessels. Mm. Um, so they can get coronary artery aneurysms and yes, potential there's, there's thrombosis. There was an alert from Arkham about that, about um, a young person having... Uh, <coughs> coronary artery rupture I think they, it was and, and okay. they, they traced it back yeah. to your childhood Kawasaki disease yeah. and that it was important to yeah. as, a, as a question to ask about. Yeah so it's important to uh, monitor those. You've got a good mnemonic there. for Yes crash and burn. I knew there was one okay. so I've looked it up. So have you heard this one? No I haven't heard that one. So crash and burn. So crash uh, C-R-A-S-H so C for conjunctivitis, R for your rash, A for adenopathy, uh, S for your strawberry tongue, um, and H for hands, so swelling or erythema of the hands and feet, and then burn is your five days yeah. of fever. Yeah. So we, the burn bit is important. Without so you, you have burn and crash, maybe burn yeah. first, but yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Important to think about. Cool, excellent. Um, but these children, again, they need it needs to be considered and they need to be managed. Um, and again, pediatric teams to get get involved, and it, it's not something that we need to be managing acutely in the ED department but it is something that we need to be referring on and making sure they're getting the appropriate management as early as possible because you don't want to miss them. Cool and so it will usually get better within a few weeks? Yeah so often the children get better within a sort of just over a week or so um, but um, it's if they do develop the complications then that's why they need treatment so they get treated with immunoglobulin um, and subsequently um, aspirin as well to prevent any th um, thrombosis which may occur as well. Cool. So, so they will be admitted. Well, so they'll be admitted, they'll be admitted yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, okay. And how, how are they in themselves? If they've got fever, so probably not feeling great. They are miserable. Yeah. These kids, these kids are your miserable, miserable, miserable kids. Um, <laughs> often, and actually going back to one of the things that can be confused with is potentially measles. Um, yeah. Because they present with a very similar rash, high fevers, miserable looking, conjunctivitis as well. Um, so it's certainly something to be aware of in your differential diagnosis. We found this infographic eventually through <laughs> quite a bit of searching. Um, it is from Cheshire, but they say it's based on the Public Health Agency guide, um, basically about different conditions. So when should my child return to school? Chickenpox, when all spots are crossed over, conjunctivitis. Um, None, does that say? Yeah, so it says they don't actually need time off conjunctivitis. Okay, diarrhea and vomiting when they're 48 hours free, glandular fever is okay, hand, foot, and mouth okay, impetigo. When lesions have uh, 
healed um, all 48 hours after commencing antibiotics. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, we'll put that up on the blog entry uh, and we'll push that across social media so as well. It's, so. it's good for parental information when they ask you, can I send my kid back to school tomorrow? And you just need something up your sleeve to go, uh, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Rachel. No, that's fine. Uh, anything else you wanted to say? I just wanted to say, uh, remember that rashes can not only be presenting with illness, but they can be signs of underlying problems. So lots of rheumatological problems present yep. with rashes. Um, so, yeah, any if you're ever worried, then don't be afraid to seek advice. Certainly here in Nottingham, we have a really good dermatology service um, for the paediatric team. So um, if you're ever concerned and you want a patient seen by a paediatric dermatologist or even some of the paediatricians are very good um, at dermatology here, you can always refer to the paediatric dermatology team um, and they will often see them in a few days if you're worried about how severe things are. Um, so yeah, don't don't be afraid is what I'd say. Don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. Excellent. Thank you very much, Rachel. Enjoy the skiing. Thank you. Don't uh, injure yourself. I'll try not to. And moderation on the apres ski. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, hopefully yeah. Uh, see you again very soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye bye. No, thank you. That was the take or the uh, child with the rash episode two. Uh, remember, you can find the blog entry for this podcast at takeorly.com. Um, this podcast will be available across uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can find the Take Visually for this podcast at both the blog and on uh, in, uh, on Instagram. Uh, remember to follow Take Orally on Facebook and Twitter. And remember for more information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine, and major trauma, NUH Dream can be found on both Facebook and Twitter.